Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to another edition of the Love of the Star. I am Bobby Belt. Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m. Central on The Fan. Uh, You can also hear him as the co-host of the pre- and post-game show on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Robert. Thank you very much. Uh, Congratulations. I'm hearing news of you Uh, and some... uh, more uh well insider work full-time work all those things going on with uh sean and rj in the morning so congratulations to that oh thank you yeah i'll be joining the morning show uh sean and rj here at our station the only thing is uh i i I told them i'm not i'm not doing 5 30 i'll do six i'll get there at six uh ratings start at six that's when i'll start well then (laughs) you're you're a ratings bonanza there's no question about that (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's what I'll jump on it. Uh, Brian, uh, we've got uh, some comments from the quarterback that I think are interesting that I want to jump into during this first segment um, because they they address something that's been a big topic for fans this week, and they address something uh, that the coach has talked about a lot, um, and and that's these option routes. Sure. The with these receivers. And, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy has admitted as much that he doesn't, he doesn't like option routes. He's not a fan of them. Um, and, and they've had their issues at times. The, the you know, the two interceptions uh, were, were meant to be guys in certain places that didn't get there and, and you know, bad reads or knocked up their out. But we, we've seen these two interceptions recently, one against Chicago, one against the Packers, where CeeDee Lamb didn't cross the face of the safety. And Dak thought he was, threw it, got it picked off. Um and so the, the the question has come up now. Should you eliminate option routes from the game plan? If Mike McCarthy doesn't like him and you're throwing interceptions, should you take him out? Dak Prescott weighed in on that uh, on Thursday. No, no, you don't eliminate it. Uh, it's a big-time play. I mean, there's, there's those those are big plays that we're making on, on other other times and other situations. And I think make sure that he sees the coverage the same way I see the coverage. And yeah, knowing, knowing what I'm going to throw in, as I said, it's, it's, it's a trust thing knowing that, yeah, sometimes it's going to be a catch and hit, but uh, that, that's what it is. But more importantly, we've got to see the coverage the same way and make sure they're reacting to it that way. It's interesting. Uh, first off, the Dak used language. I mean, yeah. he, he uses 
salty language, just not usually at a podium. Uh, he, he's usually more buttoned up than that. Uh, he, he tries to be uh, show a sense of decorum, um, but that he would use the language and then that he would say so forcefully, nope, you don't take those out of the game plan. Uh, and then the other interesting thing I thought there was he said with the understanding that sometimes you're going to catch the ball and get hit. That's yeah. a little interesting. Is that is that a, hey, guys shouldn't be scared about, you know, running over the middle and, and fighting for the ball? No, I, I think it was more sometimes it's – I don't think he was talking about the physical play. Maybe I heard it wrong. I think he was talking about sometimes you're going to hit those plays. You know, I, that that's kind of what I got from it. That You want to hit it again? I think, yeah. he, I think he said you're going to get hit. Let me see. No, no, you don't eliminate it. Uh, it's a big time play. I mean, they're, they're those those are big plays that we're making on on other other times and other situations. And I think make sure that he sees the coverage the same way I see the coverage. And yeah, knowing knowing what I'm gonna throw in, as I said, it's 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 a trust thing. Knowing that yeah, sometimes it's gonna be a catch and hit, but uh, that that's what it is. But more importantly, we've got to see the coverage the same way and make sure that we're reacting to it that way. See, you're right, Brian. I'm dumb and I heard catch and get hit, but it's catch and hit. No, and catch so, and hit, and, it, and yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, but it, it could be, yeah, it's going to be catch and hit too. You know, and sometimes, it, you know, I, I I, just take it as, listen, the quarterback doesn't want to eliminate the plays, okay? The head coach is not a big fan of the particular option routes. The, yeah. the head coach is, they're not running his offense. Maybe there's some influences that he has along the way. But the one thing the head coach is going to say is, listen, we can't keep turning the ball over if we're not seeing this the right way. Right. You know, you look at the games that the Cowboys have lost here recently. It has been because of some turnovers, you know, and, you know, they've also had games where they've been able to win, but they've turned the ball over as well. And it's been on certain routes, you know, and that's, the quarterback, I, I am all for doing everything you can to help the quarterback. If the quarterback believes that you need to continue to run these routes, it's a it's a vital part of the game plan, by all means, help him. But also be very mindful and explain to him that, listen, you throw that ball in the middle of the field and it gets intercepted again by a free safety standing there, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, Now, maybe there's other option routes and stuff like that that they're hitting on which they, you know, by all means continue on. But if you keep throwing the ball in the middle of the field and the receiver doesn't go get it and it ends up an interception, then we're not going to do this anymore. But I, I'm i with Doc. You know, if, if he feels like that it needs to be something continued into the offense, help him. But also with the understanding of, you throw that ball in the middle of the field and that receiver doesn't read it the right way or you don't read it the right way and we turn it over again, you know, and cost us points and cost us a game, we're not doing this bleep anymore. It's interesting because part of the thing with option routes too is that you don't necessarily know when they run them unless they miss. Like, like it's hard to, to tell sometimes. It may have been drawn up a certain way, but, you know, if, if you see them hit one, you, you don't know all the time that it was a read. You may just think that it was the design of the play. But uh, I guess the thing that was frustrating, especially, though, I feel like you've got to eliminate the ones where the, the safety was in the middle of the field pre-snap. Like, that was a read that you could have seen, like, just by the fact that he didn't move out of his air. Like, pre-snap, you could have seen, all right, if he stays right there, I'm crossing his face. And he didn't. Um, and, and is that 
is that communication? Like, I don't know. How do well, you? No, absolutely, it is. I mean, it's like if you're if you're going to call a play and you understand there's a chance of, you know, it's it, there's a chance of a read. I think every routes, all routes that are run, there's some form of a read to it. You know, there's some form of a a pivot, uh, a curl, an out. There's always something back shoulder. There's always some read to it. Yeah. But if you if you call a particular play and you know that that route is going to take CD Lamb into the middle of the field and he seems like to be the one right now that's kind of struggling with this. So if you know that you got CD Lamb in the slot and he's running up the field and he's going to have to break inside of a safety and you get that play call in your headset as you're standing in the huddle and you look at CD and you say listen they're calling this. If that safety's standing there, you make that read, you know, and I'll throw it. So I, I think that there has to be a little bit of that communication even before the play is executed, whether it's a huddle uh, huddle warning or a visual warning with when he's on the outside and you look over at him and you look up at the field and you see a safety standing there, you know. Yeah, I yeah. think, like, hey, I see where that safety's standing. Do you see it? And you do it visually or you do it with a hand signal, you know, like, hey, this thing's on. OK, I, I see where that safety's going to. So, yeah, that's where the communication is. They you had to- a, Dak and Amari Cooper hit a uh, you remember they hit that big 75 yard touchdown the first game against the Eagles. They played together. Yeah. That one where Coop had three touchdowns. Yeah. And, and Coop told everybody that he told him in the huddle. Hey, let's take a shot. And Dak was like, no, like it was a stop route. He's like, no, we're just going to run the stop. And he gets out there and he said he saw the coverage he had. And he said he signaled to me that we were going for it, that we were yeah. going to take a shot. And it's funny. It was, it was, uh, what it appeared. Cause when, once he said that, I went back and watched to see, okay, what, what did the signal look like? And it was very subtle. It was just Dak looked over. And then as he looked back to the line of scrimmage, you saw him just put his like hand in his ear hole. Uh, of his helmet and just kind of tug on it, like almost like he was adjusting. But yeah. otherwise, that was the only sort of signal. So those are the sorts of subtle signals you think they need to to work out and have in place to to make these sorts of things work. Yeah, if you're if you're in a situation where you're Dak Prescott and you get that call in your head in your headset there in the huddle, you and you look over at CD Lamb and say, "Hey, okay, this is where we're at now. This is one of those plays. You know, quickly now, just make sure you see where we're what we're doing here." Or like you said, a very subtle, uh, whether thumbs up, uh, hang loose, whatever sign you want to give, you know, tug on your towel, whatever you want to do to tell him, hey, I see this. Do you see this in CD? You know, looks back at him and just nods his head. You know, that's all you need that to know that if I throw that ball to you, you're going to be where you need to be. And it, it's it's pretty simple. You know, quarterbacks and receivers do it all the time. High school football, college football, and the NFL. Dak was asked uh, a little bit more specifically about uh, the communication between their wide receivers. Here's what he had to say. Just communicating with the guys, uh, honestly, um, and making sure that they, they, as I said, see things that see the uh, see things the way that I do. Um, and then when they do, uh, yeah, I'm going to let it rip. And I mean, honestly, those those two interceptions were I can't necessarily say heat checks, but I believe in my arm and I believe in those guys to go make those plays. And as I said, it's just about being on the same page. And that's what uh, we hammered it on the sideline, and we've we've nailed it, and uh, it's behind us, and we've grown from it. And those looks come up again. I'm going to throw the ball again. I guarantee there's a different result. 
All right, so Dak digging in. Dak is saying, I'm throwing these option routes. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and my receivers just need to get on the same page. This is actually about as forceful as we hear Dak talk. Like, like you're not generally going to hear Dak talk more forcefully than he is like this. And and for him to say, hey, it's something we we hammered in, in the second half or on the sideline. And in the second half, they had a lot more success. In fact, they they hit the exact same route with the exact same look in overtime. That was the the catch CD made in overtime. Uh, so, Brian, do you think it's uh, it's been smoothed over it's been glossed over or you think this isn't something that you can just fix with a talk on the sideline no I think you can fix things like this and I you know and I think when the play is called with the problems that you've had the two interceptions that you've had and Dak's right it's not a heat check throw that you know that's a that's a I think I could beat this coverage with this route in this pass now now it's on really on CD though because Dak has come out and said I'm going to still throw this ball and yes, I still want these option routes. Now it's on CD or any of these other receivers that if that particular play is called, you've got to get your ass inside and get that catch. You know, you're probably going to catch it. You're probably going to get hit, but you've got to get in there and make that play because I'm still going to throw that football. Now, if all of a sudden we see another breakdown and, you know, and, and Hunter Smith, you know, standing in the middle of the field and catches the ball, you know, off one of these type plays. Then you're going to then you're going to no longer see those routes run, or you know you're going to see other routes uh, develop than the ones that they're turning the ball over on. Who needs to be part of these conversations? If this is something where CD Lamb's just seeing it differently, is that something that exclusively needs to be a conversation between Dak Prescott and CD Lamb, or is that something where Kellen Moore, Robert Prince, oh Michael yeah, Prince, all, they of all need to be talking to CD Lamb, all of them, all of them. You know that's when you know and. You got Kellen on the sideline. You got, you know, you got everybody down there to to say, hey, listen, this is the look we got. You've got to get inside. You can't not, you know, take it up the field. So yeah, that, that's that that is not just Dak and C D or any other receiver. That is coordinator, receivers coach, head coach, you know, everybody involved. They all need to know, okay, what just happened there? And you know, to their credit, you talk about what they were able to do in overtime. You know, obviously they got together and and figured out what they needed to do. When you look at guys coming out, in your experience when you were scouting, how advanced, and, and I know concepts have changed at the college level and everything else, but how advanced were guys at, at the receiver position in terms of when they came out at being able to make those sorts of reads? It, was that a learning curve typically for them? Yeah, I mean, when the, when, it's a lot different than it was 20 years ago when I was scouting Uh, a lot different Uh, learning curve for wide receivers. You know, you didn't have uh, in in this day and age, you have the, in college football, the the ability to throw, there were teams back 20, 25 years ago that threw the ball a lot, Yeah, but there was more balance to them, more balance to their offense. And as we progressed through the development of the college game and the pro game wide receivers, not only catch a lot of balls in high school, catch a lot of balls in college. So the learning curve is really, really not as steep as it once was. I remember, I think I did a study where it was like, you know, a rookie receiver was 48 receptions, like 890 yards and four touchdowns. That was a, that was a really successful first round receivers year. And, you know, now you've got these receivers with the number of targets they get, uh, with the number of receptions they get, 
Uh, it, it, the passing game has really, really evolved, uh, say, in the last 20 years uh, uh, since I've really been in the league scouting. Next, uh, last clip actually here from Dak Prescott, which I thought was an interesting one. He was talking about the the importance of CeeDee Lamb to this offense, what he means, uh, but almost seemed to be priming things a little bit for, hey, when, when he breaks out, uh, that, that may mean uh, a decrease in, in some targets. He's a huge playmaker for us, and we know what his, his capabilities are. And so when he goes out there and has a 10-plus game, 10-plus uh, catch game, 150 yards, couple of touchdowns yeah you want to build on that uh not only that understanding that the defenses may show him some more attention and he has to know that that's where his assists come and so um no matter if he's getting the ball or not he's going to be um he's going to be dialed in and knows knows his impact to this offense and to the game is that a is that a reasonable uh position from Dak there to just say hey remember even if you're not getting the ball you're still affecting the offense you need to stay locked in oh no absolutely Uh, I mean you you see in this day and age these receivers do a great job of I can't tell you how many times I've watched the All-22 and seen Dalton Schultz, you know, uh, other receivers run routes that have cleared out or given opportunity to uh, teammates. Now, the other day in the Green Bay game, they, you know, Dalton Schultz, you know, what we're learning was they, they the separation was bad there. You know, you, you, know, you got to get to your spot. You got to get further up the field. The, the field shrinks down there. So, yeah, uh, Dak's absolutely right. You need to always be ready for the ball to come in your direction, but you also need to be able to run your route and clear things out or take guys with you that uh, allow others to shine. Has CD ever, to you, look looked like he w- he was a little checked out of a game, or or do you think that, I've that's seen possible? I've seen I've seen body language games. I, I see. What, I feel. Like, I feel like he beats himself up when he, he has. Does. He I, does. I, I. I don't think he, he checks does. out and pouts when he doesn't get the ball. Right. But I, I. I think he has a. I think he has a trouble. I think he occasionally has trouble moving on to the next play when he's he does something super, wrong. Super. He's super critical of himself as he plays. You could tell. And he. You know, the other day in that when I was talking about the Dalton Schultz that interception they had, you know, he was very agitated and animated on the sidelines about depth. And what needs to be done. And, and we talked about it on our show the other day, too. I guarantee you they ran that play three times in practice, once each day. And every time it was the right spacing, uh, the catch was made. You know, yeah. it, it's it's one of those plays where you're like, okay, we're going to go to this play. This is going to be our play for this, for, this, uh, for this series. And every time they ran it in practice, I'm sure it was a touchdown. And then you get in the game and then you're like, well, damn, we practiced this play three times and we got it wrong in the game and look what the result was. I think CD is very, very hard on himself uh, throughout games and and I, I think that affects the way he plays at times. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast and you can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, so some interesting stuff from the quarterback there, uh, but let's move forward now, look ahead to the Vikings, on to Minnesota, as as Mike McCarthy has said this week. Uh, before we move on to Minnesota, though, I need to remind you guys of our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks, and I keep telling you guys about Tuesdays and Wednesdays at Boomer Jacks because that's the day you need to go out there if you're a big fan of wings. Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, it's half-price boneless wings, but the rest of the week, they got great deals for you, too. They've got amazing drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and uh, wonderful appetizers, wonderful entrees, wall-to-wall TVs, live music, just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. Uh, you can find your uh, DFW location at boomerjacks.com. There's 17 of them, so head over to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, this uh, Minnesota game coming up, and, and we'll pick this here at the end. Uh, I don't feel great about Dallas's chances. I think I think Dallas can easily win this game, but man, I, I think that their winning streak here in Minnesota might be coming to an end. And they've had a lot of good fortune. Three straight wins uh, in Minnesota on the road, one with a rookie quarterback in Dak Prescott, and then with two backup quarterbacks winning these games. So they've had a lot of good fortune out there. I think this might be the week where it gets snapped uh, because Minnesota, I think right now, has put together a really strong all-around football team like they they're not they don't really have glaring weaknesses I don't feel like um they're they're just kind of steady across the board they've got playmakers at every position on offense uh Brian for you what is the biggest key heading into this game for the Cowboys I think it's going to come on the defensive side of the ball and I believe everything you said about Minnesota is completely accurate uh they force turnovers Dallas has turned over the ball. You know, we've seen turnovers and Minnesota forces turnovers. That's going to be a problem. Uh, Minnesota wins uh, one score games. Uh, It doesn't matter how far down they get in a game. They keep playing. And I think that's a tough thing to beat. You know, know, Dallas might have success for three quarters of this game. And then in the fourth, you know, Dallas – you know, they have got to find a way to finish some games. And, you know, they had a 14-point lead against Green Bay, couldn't finish that off. You know, and to me, Minnesota has better offensive weapons than what Green Bay has. The better receiver, better running back. You know, the quarterback, I, I think, is playing at a, a level where he'll turn the ball over occasionally and make some crazy plays that, you know, there are crazy decisions that you go, man, that's – that's terrible, and but this team finds a way to win, and the defensive metrics tell you that they don't particularly play the run great, or you know what they do in the passing game. But they, like I mentioned, they turned you over, and they yeah. stay they stay around in games, and they continue to play hard in games, even though they're down. And sometimes you have to be just really fortunate in games, and they've had some games where they've been very very fortunate. They were fortunate in Buffalo that 
Buffalo couldn't execute a simple quarterback center exchange. They were very fortunate on fourth and 16 that the Buffalo corner didn't just try and knock the ball down instead of trying to intercept the ball. You know, they, they've had some really, really good breaks along the way. Uh, but some teams have slowed them down along the way, too. The Miami game was a game where they got slowed down offensive, but they still find ways to win games. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a difficult game for the Cowboys to have to deal with because there's questions about the Cowboys' run defense. You know, and, and we've talked about it. We've talked about how good these backs are. And you don't have to have a great offensive line or run block, especially if you figured out that you could crack toss, you could just uh, man block. You know, the Cowboys are not doing a very good job of getting off blocks. And so you don't have to be. They, the Vikings can neutralize what you're really good at, and that's pass rush. So I, I think it's going to be a difficult game. I know I went long there talking about things, but – I just don't – I don't feel great about this either because I feel like that the Vikings have gotten things kind of figured out with how they need to win games or how they need to stay in games so they can win them in the end. Mike McCarthy talked on uh, Friday with Sean and RJ that a big reason why Micah Parsons ended up playing at linebacker as much as he did is because they anticipated Green Bay running the ball like they did. They anticipated they did. that they were going to attack him like that. Um that, that obviously didn't matter much, uh, and you lost what he can do in the pass rush. Would you would you rather see Micah Parsons playing at linebacker this week, or would you rather see him trying to take advantage of, of some things up the you know A and B gaps against guys like Ed Ingram? Would you rather see him rushing yeah. the pass more, or or you know trying to contribute and stop the bleeding in the run game? Uh, Micah Parsons is capable of playing both. He's capable of rushing the pass, and he's capable of affecting the running game. You know, when you watch Micah Parsons play at linebacker and he sees the play and he sees where the ball's going, he is generally going to beat everybody to the ball. Leighton Vander Esch, uh, anybody else, Barr, whoever's on the field, he runs past everybody getting to the ball. And so, you know, that's that's what you need. You don't – where you don't need Micah Parsons is – playing linebacker, and then all of a sudden he overruns a play or he runs behind a block. You know, that's – you don't need that. You need him – you need him getting to the ball and finishing. And we've seen it hundreds of times with him. But as of late, we've also seen him overrun plays. And like I mentioned, run behind blocks. You can't do that. You could, you could do it against Indiana and Michigan State, but you can't do it against these teams that have these really good backs – that when they hit the hole, it's to and through the hole. Let's be honest, too, Bobby. I'm not a big numbers guy. I mean, I like, I think there's certain numbers that you can talk about. But the Cowboys, are they're allowing ball carriers 1.6 yards before they get even to contact. It's like yeah, 27th in the league. You know, yeah. you, you, you to play really good run defense, you've got to get guys to the ball right there, right now. And they're just not doing a good enough job. Now, to answer your question, I think Micah Parsons is capable of giving you a great pass rush. You know, fourth and seven the other day, they couldn't get off the field. That was a pass rush situation. They just couldn't get off the field. That's the ball game right there. You stop Green Bay on fourth and seven, that's the ball game. It's over. You're going to get the ball at midfield. You're probably going to drive down the field. You're going to kill clock. You're going to kick a field goal. And it's going to be over. But, no, you you don't. You don't. So Dallas has got to get back to just to playing – a more sound 
uh, game when it comes to defense, and that, that includes their their technique. Micah Parsons yesterday on the run defense says, we've just got to trust each other. Trust is going to be the key to everything and where we want to go. We've got to trust someone is going to be in the B gap when they're supposed to be in the B gap. Yeah. Without that trust, we won't go far. Do you think some of what you saw in terms of, you know, Micah Parsons trying to play a little hero ball, do you think that that comes down to the fact that he didn't feel like he could trust guys to do their assignments? Well, yeah, I think, and Bobby too, by the way, and and I had somebody reach out to me, and, I, and I'm always one of those guys to admit when I'm wrong or see something wrong. You know, the other day on the, the run, the Jones touchdown run, that was supposed to be slant four. All four guys were supposed to slant, and Hankins didn't slant. And so instead, you know, I was talking about what Fowler would had done, and that because it looked like when Hankins went to the left, it looks like they were trying to maybe run a double twist, you know, just two guys twist and and see if they could be disrupted. But when they ran the ball, uh, you know, Hankins has got to go to his right. And Fowler, so Fowler was right on the play. Hankins was the one that was wrong. Now, that's what Michael Parsons is talking about. Now, Hankins hasn't been here for a whole, you know, for a lot of practices and a lot of days. But those are the kinds of breakdowns. That's what he's talking about. The trust. The trust that somebody's going to be in the B gap when he's responsible for uh, the A gap or he's responsible for the C gap. You know, that's, that's, that's what he's talking about right there. You know, they've had a lot of guys – that have, uh, you know, it's not just all getting blocked. There's some scheme things. And, you know, I, hey, I was in the league a long time. Uh, I, I see things. I'm like, okay, that looks like what it is to me. But, you know, there's sometimes I'm wrong about this stuff too. And, you know, they're, they were, they were bad the other day when it came to, you know, playing with the, playing with the technique and playing really good assignment football. How does that get fixed this week against the Vikings? I mean, is that as simple as just, hey, everybody needs to to have ultra awareness that they didn't do a good enough job? Or, or, or what's the approach? Like, how do you repair that for, for a running attack that's as dynamic as what Minnesota has? It goes back to what you have with the offense. When you start to talk about communication, you know, it, it maybe it's a little bit more don't take things for granted. Don't take for granted that that – uh, Hankins knows where he's going. Don't take for granted that that uh, that uh, you know that you're going to get a guy. You know you're going to get a defensive end, whether it's Armstrong or Basham or uh, one of those guys playing that defensive end. Don't take for granted that they're going to get off those blocks. You know, I think this is more about communication. I think it's about preparation. I think it's about really, you know, like like Parson said. You know, the trust, like, hey, I trust you to know your assignments. I trust you to keep your outside shoulder free uh, on this technique. If you have to go inside, you know, fire inside, get inside, don't get blocked. You know, there's, hey, there's sometimes, in, you know, there's sometimes in games where guys are going to block or get blocked. It happens. But don't, don't give, don't encourage offenses to have success because you're making mental mistakes. Or your, you know, physical mistakes you can live with. The mental ones are the ones I think that are killer, and that's where that's where you know locking in and and if you have to have the extra walkthroughs, you have to have the extra study or the extra film or whatever you have to do, prep that thing to where you don't make mistakes and, and hurt your team and uh, you know playing playing run defense. I know there have been some frustrations with Dak Prescott with the passing game with the communication and everything else, but. 
it sure feels like the way you win this game this weekend is passing the ball. Just wh- I, I think when you look yeah. at the way that Minnesota covers and, and yeah. look, they will get turnovers, but man, that, that has bailed them out from, from, from some sticky situations. This sure year where up a lot of yards. And so yeah. this feels like a game where CD lamb, Michael Gallup, the tight ends, like they can have an impact. Uh, the communication, especially in a loud environment like that, it feels like it's going to have to be on point, but is that the way you see it, that, that this is going to have to be a game that if we come out of this on Monday and we're talking about a Dallas victory, we're in all likelihood talking about a really good game from Dak Prescott in the yeah, past? I think so. And, you know, this is a team that struggles defending the tight ends. And, you know, that's – whether that's Harrison Smith or, you know, they, they've struggled. They've given, up, they've given up big plays. They've given up receptions to tight ends. You know, it, it might turn into you're going to get some play action, the boots, the waggles, the very simple throws – you know, we, we could be talking about on Monday, what a great game by Schultz and Hendershot and Ferguson and those guys. You know, what a great job by Dak getting him the football on that third down. You know, they needed seven and they got nine from Hendershot catching the ball. You know, they've struggled with sometimes on the outside. Absolutely. I To me, Bobby, if the Cowboys win this game, and I, I hate to be captain obvious here, it's not going to be throwing the ball 48 times. It's going to be about the balance. It's going to be about having Ezekiel Elliott back in there running the football. And if it's three yards, four yards, three yards, four yards, six yards, and then Pollard for 18, that's what it's going to take to win this football game. You know, I think they're really going to have to have some good balance because to me, this, this, these venues, when you play like in Minnesota, at, I, I never won a game in the Metrodome. I think it was 0 and 12. And I know it's not the Man. Metrodome anymore, but it's the same damn crowd. There, it's loud that you hear that Viking horn, something usually bad happening to your team. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they are a very hearty, boisterous crowd. And so, you you know, you have to find ways to take them out of the out of this game and, you know, running the football, showing balance, but not throwing the ball 48 times. Now, maybe maybe they're going to have to throw it for maybe it turns into a shootout for both teams. But, man, I, I know the best recipe for Dak is not having to throw it that much. So it is prediction time. I think when I look at this game, again, I, I just I, I don't feel like it's a great matchup right now uh, for this particular Dallas team and some of the issues that they've had. Um, it's certainly one that I think they can win, but, but ultimately I, I think that Minnesota picks up their eighth consecutive one-possession victory uh, and then I think they get this one 28-24. What are you thinking for this that's game? A, that's, ex- that's exactly what I was going to say. I, my 28-24, my you know, this game could be 28-24 Dallas too. I, I just, yeah. you, you know, we're going to see Dallas on defense play with sense of urgency. We're going to see it. Now, whether they're good enough to, to make it work for 60 minutes, uh, that's yet to be seen because – We've seen breakdowns on defense. We've seen breakdowns on offense, you know, but I, I think that Minnesota is going to absolutely get Dallas's best shot in this game. But Minnesota has found ways to, to be behind in games, come back and win and finish games off in these one score games. But I, the number I had in mind was exactly what you said, 28, 24 Vikings. 
you know, we heard J. Ron Kerr say we're six and three. The sky isn't falling, but we we got to lock things down. You know, yada yada yada. Lose the next two games, and you'll feel like the sky is falling. I, I was gonna say, is this enough to make it feel like the sky is falling if you lose to Minnesota, or do you think you have to lose to Minnesota and the Giants? I think Minnesota and the Giants would be a you know because you know uh, I think Tennessee did you a favor. Uh, you know, on Thursday night beating Green Bay. I was worried about Green Bay kind of getting back into the playoff hunt. But, you know, it looks like Green Bay is kind of who they are. It's a shame that you couldn't, you know, you had a 14-point lead and couldn't finish them off. But, yeah, you, you got to worry about other teams. You got to worry about San Francisco, Seattle, you know, those other teams that, you know, you know, getting into this playoff picture, uh, Tampa Bay, you know, all these teams getting back in. You start playing bad this time of year, that, that, could, be, that could be devastating to your playoff chances. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our favorite segment of the show. It is our listener mailbag where we uh, turn over the topics to our our dear, sweet listeners. Uh, Before we do that, I need to remind you guys once again about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I I, I love uh, all the pictures you guys have been tagging us in at Boomer Jacks. Hopefully uh, very soon, uh, Brian and I will be out there. I think sooner rather than later, you guys should hear something on that, that that we'll be hanging out at Boomer Jacks. Uh, So stay tuned for that. But uh, you don't have to wait for us. You can go to Boomer Jacks now if you like. Uh, In fact, if you're looking for a a great wing deal, go on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Tuesday, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays, it's half-price boneless wings. Uh, But the rest of the week, they got great deals for you on food and drinks. $3 drink specials, $15 buckets of beer. It's a great atmosphere, great environment for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for a good happy hour spot with uh, your coworkers, Boomer Jacks is perfect with their drink specials. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game with your, your buddies, again, Ice cold beer, $15 buckets of beer, perfect spot. All those TVs. If you're looking just for somewhere to have a nice dinner with the family, Boomer Jacks is that place too. And uh, they'll fulfill anything that you need there over there. And they've got 17 DFW locations. So you can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. First question here, Brian, from uh, Tony42110. If we have the tools to stop the run, why can't Dan Quinn use them correctly? And does that stop a potential interest in him being a head coach with how this defense is running lately? Brian, I don't know about you. I feel like uh, Dan Quinn has tried to smoke and mirrors the hell out of this run defense. And I think he deserves credit for not being as big of an issue in the first half of the season as it could have been. Yeah, I I think that there was, uh, uh, you know, a lot of things that Dan was trying to do. I felt like, you know, this happened very, very early uh, against the Buccaneers, you know, that you started to see like, mm, okay, maybe, maybe this is going to be a problem. And then, you know, they, they played much better against the Rams. They gave the Rams nothing running the football, but the Rams have been awful all year uh, as we've seen, but that was a game that was very early in the season. Uh, you know, they're right about the, uh, about the tools. And, but I think Dan's doing the best he can you know, you you call slants, you call twists, you call those things in mind that you trust your players are doing are going to do their jobs. You know, mental busts kill plays, kill drives. And I'm not saying that Dan is, uh, you know, that you should he should wash his hands of the blame. But, you know, yeah, it, it's it's been difficult. And when you have players that haven't played up to their ability when it comes to playing run defense, you know, that, that's, that's a tough thing for a, a defensive coordinator to have to deal with. 
that that the players just aren't, uh, you know, it's one thing to physically get beat in the running game. It's another thing to give up plays because mentally you're doing things wrong. And But that's on the coaches. That's on teaching. That's on preparation. You know, it has to be a, a thing that goes hand in hand. Next question here from uh, Naomi Rosen. Uh, will we see more Cavante Turpin on, on offense? Uh, what do you yourselves think he could do? Could he get separation downfield? So I, 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 I think that as much as we all would like to see Cavante Turpin, there are limitations in how much he can be involved just because he is a small guy. And it, it's it's tough to hit a 5-7. And I understand there's Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's a freak and an outlier. Uh, I, it's just it's tough to hit a 5-6, five, 5-7 five, guy uh, down the field. Um, I did love, Brian, I don't know about you, I love the idea of if it's a final play of a half, don't just run the standard draw play. Throw yeah. a quick screen to Turpin. Yeah. Like, like, let him see if he can do so. If you've got that weapon in your arsenal, I think absolutely Turpin should get every last second touch in the at the end of the first half that you can muster should go to Cavante Turpin. But I think his role in this offense is always going to be kind of a gadget player. Maybe he gets... You know, some of these jet sweeps, maybe he gets a, a smoke route with a, or, you know, a bubble screen and and some blocking and things like that. Um, but but I think a, a full time invol- involvement in the passing game will probably never be very likely. for him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you got the player absolutely correct. And, you know, you never know. I mean, you, you know, we talked about in the during the bye week that maybe coaches come up with ideas, little packages for guys that they kind of figure out. I remember a, a game, and I think it was Thanksgiving. The in my been that the the uh, the Cowboys, I think, were playing the Chiefs, and they threw a ball underneath and blocked everything. You know, I, I mean, it was just right before the half. It was like one of those just tackle the guy, and I think it might have been Hill. It just was it like, was it was yeah it was it was the yeah just, they, blocked yeah, it all. they just weaving you know he's weaving through it. It's like a punt return. It's like a fifty yard punt return. You know and so, yeah, maybe more opportunities for stuff like that. Next question here uh, from at Titanic Gambler. What two or three Cowboys are going under the radar but above expectations? Their selections are Brett Maher and Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, I think Leighton Vander Esch has been about on expectation. There, were, there was a lot of people who thought he was going to have a solid year coming out of training camp. Maher, I agree. Maher has been so great, and it's been nice not to feel terrified every time the kicker's gone up there like you were the last few years with Zerline. Um, but I think in general, you could point to a lot of the guys on, on the offensive line. Tyler yeah. Biotis. Jack yeah. Prescott had a lot of praise for Tyler Biotis yesterday and talking about how uh, the communication here in year three has just gotten so much better and, and, and that that's been a big help to him. I know Terrence Steele, uh, we, we, we haven't really said much about him lately, and it's, it's probably because he's, he's playing so well. Um, and, and, and when you're playing well like that, you're, you're not showing up on, on the screen for, for an issue. But, uh, I, I think those are some good selections. Uh, I think Donovan Wilson has, has been good this year in large part. Um, but, but anybody else you can think of that stands out? No, I, I honestly, I feel like you kind of, I was looking at the, cause my expectations for Terrence still weren't great. Uh, so he's played much better than I ever believed he could. Uh, you know, I, Man, you know what's amazing was uh you know in defense I Kelvin Joseph playing special teams, I really didn't know what to expect there about he's him playing. Good. Yeah, and you know, he's one of the more aggressive corners you have, and I think that's because of special teams. I'm not saying that 
you know, I, I, I'd like to see him develop a little bit more on defense. And I, yeah. I think there's some things that, you know, that he struggles with at times. But I didn't have great expectations of him as a, a guy that, you know, and, you know, how about, you know, how about Luke Gifford with five tackles last week on special? Yeah, teams? he was great. I think just overall, if you want to say expectations, offensive tackle, and then maybe what they've done on special teams. You mentioned Brett Maher and stuff like that, but, you know, special teams, I, I, what's expectations for Turpin? You know, I mean, it's like, oh, USFL, MVP kind of guy. Oh, he runs around. I mean, they, 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 they found something in him. So I, I think that, you know, those are the kinds of things that I kind of look at. Uh, they were right about Malik Davis. I, I think Malik yeah. Davis should have had more carries in the game the other day. You know, I mean, you start to talk about, well, if you lose Pollard, you lose Zeke, Malik Davis, draft somebody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could kind of you squint real hard. You could see that. So yeah, I mean, I those are the those are the types of players that 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 I've taken notice to. Next question here from uh, Gary Matera: Has Dorrance Armstrong been a disappointment this year? This is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gotten some decent sack numbers, but he got paid because of his sound technique, and that has been non-existent in the run game this season. It's yeah. funny. There, there, there was so much praise for Dorrance Armstrong early. I think you can make the argument he has been a disappointment because the, the sack production has been there, but he's been really bad on the edge helping out in the run game, and that's part of the reason for the leaks that they've had on the edge. Yeah, that's – that's. I mean, anybody that's playing right defensive end for the Cowboys is uh, under question for, you know, how that they've played. I mean, Tank has been good over on the left side. I mean, he he's the one guy that does understand how to play the run. I have a feeling you're going to see more of Golston in these games. I I really do. I mean, that's a long guy that is kind of hard to get outside on. That's what he was like at Iowa. I kind of thought he was a poor man's tank the way he played at Iowa. So he doesn't have the quickness of the pass rush. But to the question, Armstrong, yes, Armstrong is an up-the-field attack type of a player that's capable of when you're throwing the ball. He's capable of making plays, whether it's up-the-field, twist stunts, and all that. It's been a little, little bit of a liability in the run game because all of a sudden he's upfield and then he's, he doesn't have the awareness to not get hooked or not get down blocked or not cross face of the, the blocker. So, yeah, I'd say it's a little bit of disappointment in the run game for sure. That does it for us here on The Love of the Star. We will be back with you guys again next week and all likely Tuesday because we'll be on the road. So I'll be flying back late Monday and then I'll, I'll have the morning show on Monday. But uh, I would guess we'll be back with you Tuesday, hopefully celebrating a Cowboys victory and uh, looking forward to a, a Thanksgiving Day matchup against the Giants. We will talk to you guys then.